this isn't about me, right? Like I'm here to get the access and open the doors for those who come after me. Like, I feel like I have to continue that. And I know that folks say like, you know, as people of color, um, especially as a black woman, like you don't have to carry the world on your shoulders. I'm not trying to carry the world on my shoulders. I'm trying to pull people up to that next level. Like people keep saying like, you know, you want to break the ceiling. I want to get rid of it. But in the meanwhile, in order to get the equity, how do we get the opportunities for other folks? And I think empower, enlighten, educate, see a chats. Yes, season two of Sia Chats. I'm so excited to be here. This is where we are enlightening, we are empowering, and we are educating. All brought to you by the Sisters of Hermandad de Sigma Iota Alpha Incorporada. And if you have no clue what I just said, click that description, follow us, and check us out. You won't regret it because we're popping. My name is Gina Maria Rosado. I am your host, and we're going to get started. So we're starting off talking about breaking the glass ceiling and what that means to some of the sisters in our organization. We have Crystal Benitez with us and Siobhan Skerritt. So um, Crystal, if you would like to start to introduce yourself. Sure. So Hi, everyone. I am Crystal Benitez. I crossed fall 2015 at the Alpha Xi chapter of Hermandad de Signiota Alpha Incorporada. I am Hermana Anala. I am currently a master's student at the University of North Florida studying exercise science. And I am a football player for the WNFC, which is the Women's National Football Conference. I am number 61 for the Florida Avengers on the offensive line. And uh, I am Puerto Rican and German. Yes, I love it. And Siobhan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi friends. Um, so my name is Siobhan Skerritt. Um, I'm Edmara Arundati, uh, fall 2005. I am a Sigma chapter woman with Gamma Roots. Um, I got a lot going on. I am a proud Afro-Latina. My mother is from Montserrat and my father is Puerto Rican. And I am currently a retention and progression consultant at Google. That is amazing. So breaking the glass ceiling really can be related to any aspect of life, right? But in your home, in sports, which we're going to be talking about, what do you all do in your professions? What is your story? How did you get to where you're at right now? So um, just being part of exercise science, I was looking to kind of kind of just emerge myself and just be part of what like, I guess the life of being an athlete is. So I played a lot of football in high school, but my parents are very uh, traditional Hispanic, so we never looked at me being in sports. And I decided that football was actually going to be the sport that I wanted to do, even if they weren't really supportive of that. Um, so I played that in high school, went to college. I didn't get a chance to play sports in college just because um, I was never uh, it being like a D1 athlete or anything, going to a D1 school 
So there wasn't a lot of opportunity for that. And so what I did was when I kind of moved back home, I explored for a little bit and I saw the WNFC had a national tryout day. And I was scared, but I thought I had really nothing to lose. So I decided to very much just try out and see how it went. And they went for it and picked me up. And so I am in my rookie year of playing football. And it's just been really cool. I've actually been getting a lot of support. Uh, Surprisingly, I would have never thought that people would be super interested in seeing females play tackle football, but they are so interested in seeing the dynamics of it just because it's historically a male sport. Yeah. Like you said, it is historically a male sport. So it's just really empowering to see uh, somebody that we know close to us to be on a woman's team uh, for football, which is amazing. Siobhan, what about you? What do you specifically do in your profession? Um, So my current role is that I support Black Plus, Latinx Plus, and Native Googlers um, with their retention. Well, one, to retain them, because I know everyone knows nationwide that uh, Google was like, we want to make sure we support these communities. So (laughs) there's my position. So I'm grateful for Uh that. Um, um, And then part of that is also making sure they progress and working with different parts of the business. Um, Before that, I was doing stuff um, in sexual uh, violence and um, sexual harassment um, in the college area. And what I realized, no one looked like me. Very few people identified as me and our policies were not reflected of the bodies of marginalized groups. Um, And I would tell you all those years that people were telling me I was doing the most and I cared so much and all of that, corporate was like, oh, come do this here. Come come do this here, right? So now being in a space, and don't get me wrong, corporate is still very much so a very white male space, um, but looking at my team and the dynamics and the folks that I work with every day, it's like everything that I have learned and all the fighting that I have done, um, the policy work, the lobbying, all that stuff has gotten to here. And People are now paying attention and all those times people told me that I couldn't, I did and here I am. So basically this glass ceiling is like an ideology of, um, you know, going past and breaking past the standards and the gender inequalities. And so specifically in the workplace, um, standards really started off with catering to men, right, to fit into these positions in corporate, in the industrial positions, in farming, because of the traditional gender roles that were placed um, in the household. So men were the breadwinners, women were the stay-at-home moms, and and not to even mention, that doesn't even cater to the diversity of relationships that who identifies the same gender, right? So women didn't really start going into the workforce until the world wars started, World War I, because all the men were going off to war, right? So that was when women started to join the workforce and do typically what the quote unquote, the men would do. And um, that was, believe it or not, only a little bit over a hundred years ago. So although progression has happened, progression is constant and we've come a long way but I know we still have a long way to go. So could you tell us, um, Siobhan, if you could start off, what 
does breaking the ceiling mean to you? It's, it's recognizing who came before me to make sure that I had mm-hmm. those opportunities, right? So like right. my mom, and I tell people all the time, she didn't come to this country for me to fail, right? And yes, everything, okay? Everything mm-hmm. me and my mom did to get me into every dance class, every private school. You know, we were poor. We lived in the projects. I didn't, I didn't know yeah. we were poor until we got older, right? Mm-hmm. But I keep pushing because I know all the things that she couldn't do to make sure the things that I could do, right? right. All the no's, all the, I, I just look back now and I'm like, damn, my mom's development as a woman, I now recognize it. Like, wow, she really went through a lot just to make sure that I'm here. So that's always first, right? Like recognizing the folks who came before me. And then yes. for me, the other part is like recognizing that it doesn't end with me. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm actually applying to law school in the fall. And I was on the phone with a law school who should not be named. And the woman was like, you work for Google. What do you need to go to law school for? It's and profession. I had to, oh, but listen, I had to bring all that North Jersey right back in, right? <laughs> because uh-huh. I had to tell her, this isn't about me right? Like I'm here to get the access and open the doors for those who come after me. Like, I feel like I have to continue that. And I know that folks say like, you know, as people of color, um, especially as a black woman, like you don't have to carry the world on your shoulders. I'm not trying to carry the world on my shoulders. I'm trying to pull people up to that next level. Like people keep saying like, you know, you want to break the ceiling. I want to get rid of it. But in the meanwhile, in Mm -hmm. order to get the equity, how do we get the opportunities for other folks? And I think it's just so mm-hmm. important. Um, even when I make connections with folks, I don't do it for me. Like I'm never going to nobody's med school, right? But mm-hmm. how do I learn to write someone's med school letter for that young Afro-Latina, that young black boy, that young trans baby who, you know, mm-hmm. finally has been able to be who they are mm-hmm. to make sure that like, we're going to get you into the places that you belong, even though you couldn't, you didn't belong there before, right? So even though like we can't completely break the barriers right now, Mm -hmm. I'm damn well going to try. Yes, we're trying to create that, the legacy, right? For them to follow in the footsteps and to continue with the progression forward. Absolutely. No, and I would, um, I would like to add real quick, I think part of that, and I don't know how people are going to feel, but like, um, it's Say all it, about, it's all about, um, I need the allies to pop up too. Yes. Right. I need them uh-huh. to show up. And you say, you trying to make doors for us. Cool. But let's make it work. And I think that that's yeah. part of it. Like I would love to see an all BIPOC group doing this. Right. But we're not the ones that have the access. So mm-hmm. I need folks on the majority to like, you say, you want to do this fight come on, mm-hmm. let's go and right. help us get that space. Yeah. Right. Because they have the access and they have the, the greater opportunities and they could give that to us then. And it's not going to cost them nothing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And it's a team effort. Just like you said, it ain't, it ain't the world on your shoulders and it shouldn't be for anybody. So um, I know I was talking about the workplace, but the same standards go for in sports right? I was doing some research 
uh, in the history of sports. And I was learning, which was, I, I didn't even know this. It was in the early 19th century, I believe, before the 1920s. Warts were considered an activity that could make women infertile. So I, I saw that and I was like, whoa. So that was a stigma that they had, which was one of the reasons why a lot of women didn't play sports. Because, you know, women back in, back in those days were really seen to create babies, right? So that was just mind-blowing to me. And again, the progression has obviously really come a long way from that type of mindset. Um, so what does breaking the glass ceiling mean to you uh, specifically in the sports aspect? So breaking the glass ceiling to me has just been super, I would say, kind of all over the place for me because being in this sport, like I said, being in a tackle football team to not even flag mm -hmm. has been super life-changing. Um, you, you know, it's seeing the challenge and trying to rise above it. Like it's trying to find this level of respect that men have been given easily just because they can hit each other hard enough to, you know, knock each other out. And, you know, and not even like blink they're eye. getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they're getting paid for this. Like they don't uh -huh. see that people, women, you know, working on these um, titles, uh, working just as hard. I practice just as hard and I actually have to pay out of pocket. You know, it costs me a grand to be part of a football team instead of them paying me. Uh, where men are just kind of handed sponsorships and for me it's it's seeing this challenge rising above it and kind of showing that women women of color and just anyone that puts their mind to these things can break the barriers it's crazy yeah. to me how um, you know men have never seen women you know in this sport you know kind of do the same things that they do on the field for example we just had a female ref the Super Bowl. That's yes, one of the I biggest accomplishments. That. that was amazing. <laughs> I saw her doing her thing out there. I was like, yes, right. get it. And then you see that we have a Black female coach um, mm -hmm. in the NFL now. We have, a, we have an Asian woman, I believe now, managing a baseball team. So we're seeing all mm -hmm. of the women, they're finally kind of getting their names out there. And there have been women that have come before, but they have never been, you know, in the, in the eye of the media. So really breaking the glass ceiling is just having, having the ability to understand what your challenge is, work hard, put yourself out there, whether people respect you or not, it's just kind of showing that you have the ability to go out there in front of all these people and just do what you love to do. Um, and that's how I feel. Every time I step on the field, I kind of just leave the gender, <laughs> um, male versus female versus, you know, anyone and just kind of go out there and just do what I have to do. Um, you know, and, and what's really interesting is that my team is actually majority part of the LGBT, um, QIA plus community. You already have women, you have LGBT, we are predominantly, you know, black women and, you know, it's just seeing that it's all of this. <laughs> so breaking the glass ceiling, it just goes beyond, 
beyond just being a women's team. There's just so many different aspects that we try and break these barriers just to show that we are tough. We're trying to be great and and trying to earn that respect that that everyone um you know has been given in the past so that's what I feel like breaking the glass ceiling is it's just really going out there and and doing the best that you can at something that you love to do for the both of you could you tell us about one time where you had a challenge of uh, a gender inequality in your in your life in your prefer in your professional life in your personal life uh, whatever you feel comfortable sharing and how you overcame it and just some advice as how to combat the gender inequality. You just want one? Um, <laughs> just like my entire career, right? Like, yeah. um, and it, it, it's the intersectionality of my race and my gender, right? And I also mm-hmm. realized that, you know, the privilege of being cis, that no one has to, un- has to think twice about if I identify as a woman or not, right? Right. And like, I remember one time I had a, um, a brown male supervisor who told me like well you know you're a single woman so like at the end of the day like you can do what you need to do you don't have a family um or the you know you're a woman and you're black so don't get excited when recruiters reach out to you because they're just trying to fulfill a quota um and this is like a phd level brown man right yeah like and i was like Mm. bruh like I came here because I wanted to be and work with someone like you thinking you would understand my struggle and you're treating me worse than white men do, right? Right. Um, and I like, will tell what you, you doing Listen, okay? <laughs> I had to have lots of conversations. But you know, for me, no, actually I can stop having conversations at a point. Um, for me, it's like, it's been the subtle things. People that say to me like, you're a black girl, but you're different because you're Latina. And I'm like, um, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I still is a black girl. Always been a black girl. That's just, you right. know, like might have some curly mm-hmm. hair and speak Spanish, but like, th- th- no, no, no. Right. But like <laughs> really realizing that people are not understanding that, like, there's no box for me. Right. Like I'm a fluid black Afro, I'm fluid black woman, right? And like, mm-hmm. and who I do and how I do, I don't put it into the box of like, oh, because I'm a woman, oh, because I'm black. Like, there is a lot of intersectionality in all of that, right? So when people yeah. try to tell me like, it's because of this, it's because of that, I'm like, I'm glad that you put me in a box, but I don't, right? Like, yes. the only thing that I know was that I, I know that my most visibly salient identity is that I'm black, right? So like, mm-hmm. I know that's how people see me but all immediately right without even asking Mm -hmm. but all Mm -hmm. of that is the reason why I step into these rooms right and I will tell you that it was hard um it took a long time to like me and even longer to love me um but it was really really hard me trying to figure out what I was going to do and how I was going to do and what was I going to do it for? And I realized I was going to do it for all the people that got those comments. The, how old are you? Um, what yes. are you doing here? Um, how long have you been in this field? The best was, wow. I need mm-hmm. to speak to the director. I am a director. I need to speak oh to the head gosh. hearing officer. That would be me. 
that girl, would be me. You tell him. You tell him. That, like that would be yes, me. The only it. one, the only one in the UC system at the time, the love first that. one in the UC system, the one that's authoring these policies with my coworkers. Mm-hmm. Don't play me, play lotto. You got a better chance at winning that game, right? And like really mm-hmm. having those conversations of like, so this is why this population does not trust you because if you said that to me, mm-hmm. what have you said to my students and my faculty, to my staff, those pe- those folks that mm-hmm. haven't been able to really find their voice? Um, and that's why I say I just can't think of one thing because in my head, I'm like, <laughs> this is yeah, like but yeah. pretty much your whole your my entire my entire your whole ex- my entire path and right now I'm be honest with you like I just kind of look at people like try mm-hmm. me because I and it's not I don't address Do it, it because I want them to treat <laughs> me differently I address it because I never want anyone to go through what I've gone through Crystal what would you say is a, a challenge that you've faced I will actually go with um something that's going on in uh, my class right now. So here's, here's one thing oh, that's really, it's, and this is going to, oh yeah, no, this is current. This is actually super frustrating for me. There's only um, 15 of us and um, there's, I think four males in the class and the rest of us are females, which is uh, pretty surprising to me, which I, I, I love. Um, so my teacher, he's a, he's a little, um, he's a little pretentious. He's a little uh, know-it-all. And, you know, much respect to him. He's a professor and everything. But every single class, um, he has a, I think he has like a favorite. Um, it's one of our, it's one of my classmates who's a soccer player. And, you know, um, I'm also a certified personal trainer and he happens to be the other personal trainer in the class. But anytime that he brings up any kind of personal training and stuff, he wants to mention him. And it might be that, you know, he's a soccer player and he's got like maybe 10% body fat. And I'm over here on the other spectrum where I'm like health at every size. And he puts him such on a high pedestal. And every time he wants to bring up an example, he uses him. And, you know, I'm in a class where I'm a football player. We have this incredible softball player. We have a volleyball player. Um, Mm -hmm. and we have a basketball player and these are incredible female athletes, you know, playing for the university, but every single time he brings up, you know, this specific individual. And so I'm like, okay, you're, you're clearly showing favoritism for the, the male athlete in the class when you have all these incredible females. (laughs) And to me, that's so, that's so annoying. Like I, there's no other way to put that every time he mentions it, um, you know, I'll always kind of chime in and I'm like oh yeah you know and you know so-and-so volleyball player like she had this incredible game and she just shows her athletic abilities you know she knows her stuff and you know I think she'd be a great example of this or something like that where I kind of try and make it where there's a little more diversity when he's talking instead of just this white male Mm -hmm. you know athlete and, mm-hmm. you know, it might be because he himself is a white male who was an athlete and he relates to him. But at the same time, you kind of have to diversify. We, we, we can't just always use the same person as an example. So when, if I were to give advice, uh, I guess, on how to go and navigate these conversations, it's, it's not exactly me saying, you know, argue with the person, but I would say challenge their ideas. They might be stuck on old, you know, perspectives and if you kind of just put out these different ideas 
you know, they might ask you questions about it. They might even challenge you back. But for me, challenging the stereotype is all about breaking the glass um, ceiling when it comes to sports and in my field, which is, you know, exercise science. I would love to work in the NFL. I would like to work in the WNBA. I would like to work in a different, uh, in different areas. And it starts within the education system. Um, you know, I want it to be that I, me and my classmates are all getting the same experience and the same education, but we're not all, you know, cis white male athletes. We're all, we're all built different sizes. Um, and so that's what I would say my experience was. It, it, it always just for me, um, it goes back, especially to this one meme I saw the other day where if we all remember being in elementary school and the teacher's like, I need a strong boy to come and lift these oh, chairs. <laughs> like, um, come and lift these that. chairs, these books. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was always that kind of girl that was like, you know, I'm not a boy, but I'll come and help, you know, pick up the books, pick up it. the chairs, you know? Uh-huh. Exactly. It's not, it doesn't have to be the little way. boys. Yeah. It, le- it leads to college. Like, you know, I don't want it to always be like, look at the strong boy. Look at all these incredible individuals in a master's program studying something that's so important. Yes, yes, 100%. Just because you don't look like the way that they want you to look in their head, right? It does not mean that what you have in your brain isn't good enough because as we all know, well, the both of you are beautiful, knowledgeable, like, you bring so much to the table. Like it is amazing. Two completely different aspects, but at the same time, the same thing, because we are empowering each other and lifting up uh, voices that aren't typically lifted. So just to lighten up, uh, kind of bring the show to the end, I'm going to play a little game of Would You Rather? Oh God! And... Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready? Yeah, yeah sure. Just, let's go. <laughs> just have a little fun with it. Nothing uh, too heavy. All right. So, Siobhan, would you rather lose your ability to read or lose your ability to speak? I would rather lose my ability to speak because I feel like I can okay. communicate in other ways. Um, but I feel like reading would be just so important. I, I 100% Chris agree what do you think crystal so i'm actually i i would lose my ability to read and i i don't want to get emotional about it because i was just thinking about this but my entire life i've always been that person that says i speak most of the time to hear myself as if people you know haven't really had the chance to listen to what i have said and i have struggled with that but for me, I enjoy the fact that I can verbally say things because it's super important that I'm heard. And so that's why I just feel like my voice is really important to me and I, I don't want to lose it. Yeah, that was whew, powerful. Deep, girl. I know. <laughs> I, no, I love it. And I love both of your answers because that's giving perspective, you know? Right. All right, next question. Siobhan, would you rather have all traffic lights you approach be green or never have to stand in line again? Oh. So you could just like zoom past all the lights. You ain't got to worry about no yellows and you're like going back and forth. Should I stop? Should I not? Do I run it? Whatever. <laughs> or do you never stand in line again? That's like nothing. No, no rides at Six Flags. 
you know, California got you got me thinking differently about traffic and all type of stuff. Like after li- like after living in LA and up here, I, I'm I like, can't Ooh. argue with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say stand in line. Um, okay. And I I feel like my answer would have been really different prior to this panorama, um, but like just the amount of like standing panorama. in line that I have. Yeah, I refuse to say the other word. Um, just being having to stand in line, like even. At, like the mercado right it's like I don't want to do this right? right I'm standing in line just to go into Sephora like oh my god I just need my face wipes um <laughs> I feel like standing standing stand, standing in line has meant something completely different for me in the past year 100% what do you think Crystal Oh yeah, no, standing in line. I live, I live two hours from Disney. I, um, I live out here where there's basically two traffic lights out here. I'm okay. Um, it's definitely for me. It's just the, (laughs) I never want to, in the DMV. Oh no, that's another, that's a whole, Oh no, that's a whole nother. Yeah. No, 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 no. All right. I I think I'm gonna have to, I think we're all in uh, agreement here. Where I like this one. Would you rather have unlimited international first class tickets or never have to pay for food at restaurants again. Wow. Uh, if you're listening, you should see their faces right now. Cause the... <laughs> wow. Y'all don't know how to answer this one. <laughs> I like to eat, but I don't, I, I like to eat. And this is like <laughs> any restaurant, right? Yeah. It would be the unlimited food because I could always pay for the ticket to go wherever. Mm-hmm. But then I could eat whatever I want in Dubai and not have to pay for it. Valid. Mm-hmm. That's me. I love to okay. eat. If I don't have to pay for it, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Crystal? For me, it's going to be the, the unlimited international travel because, hear me out, that, those tickets are so expensive to travel internationally. Honestly. But when you get and to places like... Exactly, exactly. So I don't have to sit, you know, with half a cheek hanging off a seat. I'm going to be sitting Fair. quite comfortably. <laughs> and, you know, when you get to some of these places, like traveling to places like India or like over in Puerto Rico and places like that, you know, the food is actually relatively cheap. You're paying like a dollar for some street food. That's so true. I, yeah. I'm, I'm cool with it. Like I'm cool with the international, yeah. the unlimited. I, I, I want to travel in comfort. Yeah. Siobhan, I'm going to have to go opposite of you, girl. I'm going to go with Crystal. I got to go for those tickets. (laughs) All right, last question. Would you rather be forced to dance to every time you heard music or be forced to sing along to every song you heard? What would you do? I'm a vocalist. um, And that's what most people know me for, like in college years and stuff like that. Uh So I might as well do what I'm good at. Let me just sing it all and go from there. All right. What about you, Crystal? So even though I'm a football player, I definitely have two left feet on the dance floor. You, you, <laughs> you should see, you should see some, some looks that I get when I'm trying to dance, like without, without little assistance. But um, you know, uh-huh. I can stroll. I can, but um, I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the vocals. I also like to sing. I, I call myself the human jukebox because I feel like I just know every song oh, every time song, yeah. someone plays something. <laughs> like and, and you're so, so right crystal like dancing and strolling that's two different things that's two different <laughs> like coordination yes. that's like two different skill sets yes <laughs> yes yeah so we're we're done for today's episode we finished episode one 
Uh, thank you all so much for joining me. Both of your stories are really empowering and beautiful stories. And I hope that we were able to give some light to breaking the glass ceiling in our generation, in our world, in our sisterhood. So thank you all again. And we'll see you next episode. All right, thanks for having us. The chats don't stop here. Make sure to go listen to all of our episodes on season one and two on all of your favorite streaming platforms and follow us on Instagram at Sia Chats.